Do you have a big problem? Pastor Xavier Reese has a greater solution. Now unto him who is able to exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think, to him be glory. God said, let there be light, Genesis 1-3. No problem. Naaman have leprosy? No problem. You want the sun to go back 10 degrees? No problem. How big is your God? There is nothing too hard for God, whatever situation and condition He calls us to do or to be in, because He wants to work in us and through us. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Attend birthday parties, officiate at funerals and weddings, deliver invocations at civic events, or give his flock a motivating message. Just what is the most important function of the pastor? Let's find out as Pastor Xavier takes us back to the book of Colossians for today's important message. Let's listen. Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 through 12. The message is entitled, The Prayer of Every Pastor. You can never pray enough. I think that's one of our biggest failures, I included, is we do not pray enough and we don't pray biblically. Let me read the passage for you. For this reason, we also, since the day that we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to the glorious power, his glorious power, for all patience and long suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Now, his petition is fourfold. First, prayer for their spiritual perception, verse 9. Secondly, prayer for their spiritual posture, verse 10. Thirdly, prayer for their spiritual power, verse 11. And fourthly, prayer for their spiritual praise, verse 12. Now, let's begin here. Notice in verse 9, prayer for their spiritual perception. Paul mentions hearing of their faith numerous times, verse 4, verse 5, verse 6. Now again, he makes reference to it here. Paul and Timothy had been praying for them since the day they had heard of their faith. Notice that. They always had been praying for them, but now he's focusing on the problem at large. Something that you and I need to keep always in mind. Paul knew that once they had been born again, they entered a spiritual warfare and they needed to be prayed for even more. Often we pray for people who don't know Christ. We're praying for our loved ones, our friends. And once they become saved, we say, oh, okay, that's it. We forget about them. You know, you have a baby. You bring them home. You got to care for them. <laughs> they need prayer more than ever before. Something we need to keep in mind. Notice Paul declares that they did not cease to pray for them and ask God for them. And notice, secondly, prayer for their spiritual posture. And I'm not talking about being on your knees either. First, Paul states the purpose of the previous petition, that they may walk worthy of the Lord. So the petition in verse 10 has a purpose. Here's the purpose, that you might walk worthy of the Lord. And the word walk, as you know, means to order one's behavior. And the word worthy as you know, speaks of uh, not so much as being worthy of your own merit, but it speaks of proportionate weight. We in our lives should be living in such a way equal to the Lord's character, Christ-like. When you say, I'm a Christian, you're saying, I'm Christ-like. That's what you're saying. 
In other words, my practice is to match my position in Christ, not that it speaks of any personal worth, as I said, but that he is living through me and I'm yielding to him. Now notice that's not enough. The extent or degree is described as fully pleasing to him. The phrase appears only this time in the New Testament. In classical Greek, it meant pleasing others before yourself. Ooh, that's good. That means you have to please God before yourself. Now that's a life endeavor. The deception is that while a person's walking, his walk may be satisfying to the scrutiny of men, but it may not be at all pleasing to God at all. Here's the deception, because he alone sees the heart. Jesus said, you will know them by their fruits. A good tree brings forth good fruit, Matthew 7, 16, and 20. Now, there's some bad winners. Some trees take a beating. But come spring, bing, leaves come out. The life that is worthy and all pleasing to the Lord is one that is growing in the knowledge of God then. Those that come to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder who will diligently seek him. Hebrews 11, 1 and 6. Paul prayed for their spiritual posture. Thirdly, prayer for their spiritual power. Verse 11. Paul prayed for their dependability on God's power. The petition is to be strengthened, which means to be made strong with the potential available by virtue of its own nature and inherent power. God's, not ours. You know what the problem is? We, for the most part, are too complacent over our own ability and our sense of being able to do a lot of things. And it's only when we get in trouble that we realize that we are not dependent on God at all. That's why God allows crises to come in. Remember, the, or, the Chinese character means danger and opportunity. Danger if you don't choose to depend upon God, opportunity if you do. But you know what? You will respond to crises like you do to everyday situations. And if everyday situations, you're not trusting the power of God, when the crises come, guess what? You'll do the same thing. No different. The extent, notice, is an all might. The power to be in control is available to us, namely by the Holy Spirit, by a continuous empowering enablement of the believer. His, not ours. Chapter 1, verse 29, Colossians. Uh, he says, To this end I also labor, striving according to the, his working, which works in me mightily. Chapter 2, verse 12, Bury with him in baptism, and which you also were raised with him through him in faith, working of God, who raised him from the dead. Over and over again, he's speaking about the dependency and power of Jesus Christ. All failures do, not to the Holy Spirit, but to us. Failure to trust and depend upon him. And that's why Paul says in Ephesians 6, 10, Finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Be filled with it. Then he says, put on the whole armor of God. Now notice, he keeps pushing these things. The degree is according to God's glorious power for the things he calls us to do. Not our things, his things. What did Paul say in Philippians 4.13? I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. All things he calls me to do and be. What God has called you to do, he hasn't called me to do. The things that he has called you to die to, they may not be a problem to me. That's your custom course. It will reveal to you and make you a godly man and woman if you will depend upon him. If you don't, God help those around you. 
you'll become more like yourself. In proportion to our need, and in proportion to God's abundant supply, the might of His glory. What did Paul say in Ephesians 3.21? After he tells them all that they're to do, the expel, well, who's they? He says, unto him was able. Now unto him was able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we can ask or think. To him be glory. Unto him. Get your eyes off yourself. It's unto him. Look at your life, how far he's brought you. Unto him. There is nothing too hard for God, whatever situation and condition he calls us to do or to be in. Because he wants to work in us and through us. God said, let there be light. Genesis 1-3. No problem. God said, here come the Egyptians. There they go. Drown. No problem. <laughs> God said, flood season in the Jordan. No sweat. Watch this. Boom. Split it. No problem. Naaman have leprosy? No problem. The Shunammite woman is dead? No problem. The Syrian army is coming? I'll blind them. No problem. You want the sun to go back 10 degrees? No problem. How big has you got Notice, secondly, Paul prayed, or his prayer here, had a purpose. In order to manifest God's power in and through the believer. By manifesting all patience through an earthly vessel. Now, circle all. I don't want you to cross it out, okay? <laughs> all means all in the Greek. All means all in English. All means all in Spanish. All right? Real simple. All patience is in respect to trials, circumstances, and situations. It is more than enduring. It is the opposite of cowardice and despondency. Contending with the obstacle and perseverance bravely. And seeing things through learning and growing without succumbing to them. But also by manifesting all long-suffering. All long-suffering. Through what? Through the same earthly vessel. All long-suffering is in respect to people now. The first situation of circumstances, trial. This is regarding people. And it means to hold out long against provocation. It is a decisive action. Opposite of wrath. A spirit that bears up under injury and insult without retaliation. Wow, I need help there. I need this. Because I want to pray like David. Lord, break their teeth in their mouth. I like David. <laughs> God is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish. 2 Peter 3, 9 says, I want to be like my master. Mm. Lord, help this boy. <laughs> Third, by manifesting both of these with what? Joy. Here is the ultimate proof for our walking with God. For it is the evidence of what? Fellowship with him. These things we write to you that your joy may be full. 1 John 1 4. What do they write? That we have fellowship with God, the Father, the Son, and we with each other. Whoa. There's the joy. Your joy is based on your fellowship with God. There's the key. Does not Nehemiah say the joy of the Lord is your strength? Has nothing to do with the circumstance, nothing to do with the situation. Not some cold endurance demonstrating dedicated stoic commitment. Yes. I'm biting the bullet, brother. I'm under the heavy burden. Well, what are you doing under there? His yoke is easy, his burden is light. If it's heavy, it's not the Lord's. Joy is the first manifestation of agape love, the fruit of the Spirit, and the evidence of fellowship with God. 
Galatians 5.22. Paul and Silas were singing in prison after they got beat. And they were singing with joy in Acts 16 in Philippi. The kingdom of God is not mean or drink or righteousness, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, Romans 14.17 says. Paul clearly revealed in his epistle to the Philippians. It's known as the epistle of joy. Where was he? Marriott? No. The Roman prison. Amazing. A little boy's prayer as follows. Dear God, please take care of my daddy and my mommy and my sister and my brother, my doggy and me. Oh, please take care of yourself, God. If anything happens to you, we're going to be in a big mess. <laughs> I tell you, the longer you live, the more you run to the rock. There's safety there. The little coney. Let's learn from the little feeble, stinking animal. He's so feeble, he can't protect himself, so he runs to the rock, and he hides in the rock. That's good. I need to run to the rock. Have you been seeking God about a particular area or situation, but you don't want to be empowered by him? You want him to remove it from you? If he removes it, you'll stay the same. If he empowers you, you have to change. God told Paul three times, that's enough. My grace is sufficient, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. My strength is made perfect in weakness. When we fail in what we are called to do and don't stand up against what we are called to, we reveal one thing. Listen to Proverbs 24, 10. If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Your strength is small. Not God's. Your strength is small. Not depending on Him. Now, please, victory and perseverance does not exclude pain or suffering or even confusion. John said, are you the one or we look to another? <laughs> Thank God for John. There's hope for X now. We are born into warfare. For that reason, we are to be filled with the power of his might. Paul prayed for their spiritual power. The context is the midst of heresy. These four petitions are the solution for this heresy. These four petitions are the solution for your problem and mine in life. It's a cure-all for everything. Followed one step after another. The fourth, notice. Prayer for their spiritual praise. This is where you want to end up. Verse 12. First, Paul prayed that they would be giving thanks to God the Father. The object of thanks is the Father. He is the source of all blessing. Ephesians 1.3 and Acts 2.23 tells us. He is the one who qualifies, he says, us. Which means to make us sufficient or fit or competent to be partakers of the inheritance and the saints in the light. This word is only found two times in the New Testament. The other time is in 2 Corinthians 3, 6, where Paul says that Christ has made us sufficient ministers. He makes us fit. We are not fit of our own. The way he did it was through the accepted, the beloved son, he tells us in verses 13 and 14. Delivered us from the power of darkness, transferring us to the kingdom of his son of his love, Redeeming us through his blood and forgiving our sins. The reason 
for thanks is that we are partakers of the inheritance of the saints and light. This is what he's focusing on. The word partaker means a portion or lot, and it's after the order of the Old Testament, the concept of inheriting the land they chose by lots. Now, it is after the counsel of his own will being predestinated, Ephesians 1.11. Some people have a hard time with God's predestination. I don't. I'm just surprised he chose me. You say, well, that's not fair. What if he didn't choose me? How do you know he didn't choose you? Well, I haven't come. Why haven't you come? I don't want to come. Well, then, man, don't fault God. But what if he didn't? How do you know he didn't? I haven't come. Well, come, and you'll find out he did. <laughs> and if not, you're no worse off, right? But you'll be amazed when you come that he's chosen you, or you wouldn't be able to come. Paul prays that our eyes be opened to the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints in Ephesians 1.18. Remember, they two were written at the same time, so there's a lot of similarities. Peter says, it is incorruptible, undefiled, fades not away, is reserved in heaven, 1 Peter 1.4. And that is why Paul can say that we are heirs with Jesus Christ in Romans 8.17. Man, rich in Christ. But notice secondly here, Paul points out the distinctness of the inheritance of the believer. The inheritance belongs to the saints. Mark that well. He opened the epistle with it. The word saints, as you know, the word hagios means separated ones, set apart. The word holy, sanctified, sanctification, all of those are that. The one who qualifies us for this inheritance is the Father and those who have been set apart by God through the new birth. An inheritance is secure. Only after one is dead. And so as Christ died for us, he willed all that pertains to him over to us, being an eternal inheritance. Hebrews 9, 15 through 18. All that was his, he died, he willed it to us. This is what Paul was commissioned to preach in Acts 26, 17 through 18. Now the inheritance is in the sphere of light. Mark that well. If we claim the inheritance, then our relationship with God has to be in the light. God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. 1 John 1, 5. If we say we have fellowship with God and we walk in darkness, we lie and do not have the truth. If we say we have no sin nature, we deceive ourselves. We are children of the light and of the day. 1 Thessalonians 5, 5 has told us. Light speaks of knowledge. Light speaks of moral Uprightness, light speaks of purity, light speaks of wisdom. The only way a person can know how much is left to him in an inheritance is to read the will. It's the only way. And Paul says, You want to know how rich you are? Read the word of God that is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Acts 20 32. Read the stinking will. <laughs> You'll find out what's yours. Don't let dust collect on it. You got to be in it. A five-year-old said, Grace at family dinner one night, he says, Dear God, thank you for these pancakes. When he concluded, his parents asked him why he had thanked God for pancakes when they were having chicken. He smiled and said, I thought I'd see if he was paying attention tonight. 
He's always paying attention to see if you and I are thankful. You jumped into a nice, clean, warm bed last night. You jumped out of that bed and took a nice, warm shower, hopefully. <laughs> you opened the refrigerator and your milk was cold. Your food was preserved. You got in the car, stuck a key in, turned the key, and the engine started up and you drove to church. Thankful. You sit here clothed and sane. Thankful. We are called to inherit many things. The kingdom, eternal life, the promises of God, the blessings of God. In fact, we are told all things in Revelations 21.7. The believer is to be thankful to God. Paul is the classic example. In this epistle, he over and over thanks God. In his other letters, same thing. It is a mark of being filled with God's word and the spirit. Ephesians 5.18 and 20, filled with the spirit, you're thankful. Colossians 3.16 through 17, filled with the word. Two different perspectives. Those who are filled with the word and those who are filled with the spirit are thankful. Those who are not filled with the word and the spirit are not thankful. It's just that simple. And everything we're to give thanks is the will of God. 1 Thessalonians 5.18. We are to give thanks for all men. 1 Timothy 2.1. Now, I need a lot of help in that because that, the context is non-believers, those in government. <laughs> but I have that responsibility. We are to enter the gates with thanksgiving, Psalm 104 says. We are to thank God for those who come to Christ in 2 Thessalonians 2.13. We've seen Paul do that. And it's not just the New Testament. The Old Testament is full of witnesses of thankfulness to God. Psalm 18.49, we are to give thanks to God among the heathen and sing praises to his name. Psalm 30, verse 4, we are to give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness forever. Psalm 92.1 says, it is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord. Psalm 16.1 says, we are to give thanks unto God for he is good. Psalm 119.62, we are to rise up at midnight and give thanks to God for his righteous judgments. How many of you did that last night? I didn't. I was cutting logs. I was out. Surely the righteous shall give thanks unto your name, Psalm 140, verse 13 says. Daniel gave thanks, knowing that it cost him his life three times a day in Daniel 6.10. Thankful. Jesus gave thanks to the Father over and over again, Luke 10.21, John 11.41. Father, I thank you that you've hidden these things from the wise and revealed them unto babes. Thankfulness is evidence of being God-centered, not self-centered. Mark well, Paul's fourfold prayer for the Colossians was in order to bring about a transformation of their life. One built upon another in order that they may be able to recognize truth from error. Paul prayed for their spiritual praise. That's where you want to end up. You see? When you're being filled with the knowledge of God, living a life worthy of the Lord. And as you're doing that, you're being fruitful. You're growing. You're increasing. You're being strengthened by Him. And you're being thankful because He's working in you and through you. And so, Paul's prayer of intercession for the Colossians is marked by these four petitions. Prayer for their spiritual perception. Prayer for their spiritual posture. Prayer for their spiritual power. And prayer for their spiritual praise. This is my prayer for you. That's why I entitle it the prayer of the pastor. 
pastor's prayer. What is it? That you grow, that you be filled with the knowledge of God, that you be fruitful, that you be growing, that you be strengthened, that you be thankful. May God give us wisdom. Echoing the heart of pastors everywhere, Pastor Xavier Reese wraps up the Simple Truth Study for today. And don't forget, you can get a copy of today's message, The Prayer of Every Pastor, on CD for only $4. And this also includes what we heard the last time we were together. So once again, the title to ask for is The Prayer of Every Pastor, or simply mention today's date. And you can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for including the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us monitor the impact of this outreach in your area. Do you want to see God? Next time on Simple Truths, Pastor Xavier Reese shares pictures of the Creator. Tell a friend and tune in then. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 